In 2006, Brian Schaffer was in a pub, celebrating the beginning of the holidays with some college friends. That night, he disappeared. Security cameras recorded him entering the pub, but none showed him leaving. Today you will learn about the bizarre disappearance of Brian Schaffer. Brian Randall Schaffer was born on February 25, 1979 in Ohio, United States. He was the son of Randy and Renee Schaffer, and he had a younger brother called Derek. Brian was studious, popular, and made friends easily. At age 18, in 1997, he started working part-time at J.C. Penney, a large department store. In 2002, he left to focus on his microbiology studies. At the age of 24, he finished college and started working as an assistant radiology technician in Columbus at Ohio State University and successfully applied to a medical course in 2004. The following year, his mother passed away after a long battle with myelodysplasia, a rare type of cancer that affects the bone marrow, which is responsible for producing blood cells. He was very attached to his parents, and this loss hit him hard. During this phase in his life, he was also dating a student named Alexis Wagoner. After his mother's death, Brian began felt a deep sadness. He reached the point of wanting to end the relationship, saying to Alexis that maybe she would be happier with someone else. Alexis didn't give up on this love. She felt he needed help and she was there to do it. As the months passed, Brian returned to the joy he always showed. He still missed his mother, but he came to accept his loss. Alexis's support made their relationship much firmer, to the point where Brian started thinking about marrying her. Despite his medical studies, he mentioned to friends that his dream was to live on a tropical island, to be part of a musical band and run a bar for tourists. He loved music and was a big fan of the band Pearl Jam. He even had the band's name tattooed on his right arm. On MySpace, he wrote, I'm a second-year medical student at Ohio State University, with only two years to go. I have an amazing, sexy and really fun girlfriend. I really love music and this whole doctor thing is really just a job, only temporary, until I get my band together and put out a record. I want to own an island someday, or at least a beach so I can listen to Buffett all day and drink margaritas with my senorita. In 2006, Brian and his girlfriend planned a trip to Miami on April 3rd. He told several friends that he planned to ask Alexis to marry him. The trip was scheduled for this date because it would be just after the last week of college exams and as he was always studying, often staying up all night, he didn't want to waste time. As soon as the exams were over, he would have a weekend with his friends from college and on Monday, he would travel with Alexis. On Friday, March 31st, Brian went to the Ugly Tuna Saluna, 1546 North High Street, a pub above a Mexican restaurant located in a well-known happy hour spot in the region with several other pubs around. The nights were always busy. There he ran into his former university roommate, William Florence. Alexis couldn't meet him that night as she was visiting her parents in Toledo, almost 2H30 away by car. But she was excited to return on Saturday and travel with him on Monday. Derek had also called his brother, but he already had an appointment with his girlfriend and they ended up not going. Friends arrived at the bar around 9pm and around 10pm... Brian made a call to his girlfriend and told her he missed her, that he wished she was there, 
and that he and his friends were going on a pub crawl. They finished the call saying they loved each other. A pub crawl is an activity in which visitors go to several bars in one night and have a drink in each place. It involves meeting friends and having fun. In the last bar, in the short north, they found a friend of Will called Meredith Reed. From there, they returned to Ugly Tuna, arriving there at 1.15am on April 1st. They stayed a little longer and started getting ready to leave because the place would close at 2am, but he said he would talk to the band as soon as they finished playing the last song. But Brian did not talk to the band. The bar closed and Will and Meredith went outside and waited for him. Everyone left. They were the last people at the door and Brian just disappeared. William called Brian's cell phone but no one answered. Unable to reach him, they headed home assuming Brian had caught a ride with some other friends or maybe found an after party to prolong the night. On Saturday, Brian didn't contact Alexis. She tried calling him but his cell was out of service. That afternoon she went to his apartment but he was not there. She called his brother and father, but they had not heard from him. All afternoon and into the night, everyone tried to call him without success. Sunday was the same. He could not be contacted. Randy asked Derek to go to his brother's apartment to see if he was there. Maybe his phone was stolen, lost on Saturday. Anything could have happened. Derek went to the place and outside he saw the apartment light was on. He climbed the stairs already feeling relieved, but when he knocked on the door, Alexis opened it. While he thought Brian was there, she thought Derek was Brian. They both became much more concerned. Almost 48 hours without news from Brian, their scheduled trip to Miami was imminent. Before involving the police, they decided that Alexis should go to the airport because Brian might show up there. She went and Brian didn't show. Where could he be? They went to the police to report his disappearance. The police begin their investigations by talking to family and friends. An amount of 2,000 US dollars was offered by the police and 5,000 US dollars by the university to anyone who knew information that would lead to the resolution of the case. The police also saw that his car had been parked near his apartment the whole time. Inside the apartment, nothing was removed. Clothes, suitcases and even some documents were there. The police then went to the bar to focus their investigations there. The bar had just a single entrance and exit for customers, an entrance and exit for employees and an emergency exit. All passageways had cameras. The last time Brian was seen was at 1.55am going up the escalator that gives access to the bar entrance, talking to two girls. After reaching the bottom of the stairs, he said goodbye and went to meet his friends. It was at that time that he said he was going to talk to the band's people, and that was the last time he was seen, either by people or the security cameras. It's strange to say this, but he just vanished into thin air. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você... 
Venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca. Porque afinal de contas é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui no Pátria Amada Criminal. Brian was not seen leaving the bar by any camera at any time. The police analyzed the tapes, frame by frame. There was nothing. Even the hypothesis that he had jumped out of one of the windows for whatever reason was raised but soon discarded because when the police questioned everyone in the bar, no one commented that they had seen someone jumping out of the window at 2am. In addition, the windows are more or less six meters above the ground and there was no landing point that would cushion your jump, such as a garbage truck. The two girls Brian talked to were identified as his classmates. They reported that they talked to him about their college tests and the vacations on the escalator. After that, they parted. There were a few blind spots on the cameras, but they were inside the bar. All exit points were monitored. The police even requested the footage from the cameras of all the bars around the ugly tuna, hoping to find Brian passing by any of them, but he was not seen on any. A sweep was carried out throughout the region, with sniffer dogs, including dumps, and even the sewer system. Nothing was found. The idea of kidnapping was raised, but due to the fact that he was not seen leaving, and even the fact that he did not contact the family for a rescue, they ended up discarding this hypothesis. The police wanted to eliminate William and Meredith as suspects, as they were the last people to see him and were asked to take a polygraph test. Meredith took the test with no inconsistencies in her answers. However, William stated through his lawyer, Neil Rosenberg, that he would not take the test and that any conversations that the police needed to have with him would from now on be intermediated by his legal representative. This behaviour left Brian's friends and family quite puzzled. Derek later stated that despite not knowing William well, he always thought that he was somehow involved in the disappearance. William had spoken negatively about Brian He did not sound like a person who grieved a missing friend. Later, William was invited again to take the polygraph test, and once again his lawyer informed the police that he would not do it. When asked why his client refused, he replied that the police seemed to be very concerned about why he didn't want to be tested when this is his right. He added that his client refused the test on his recommendation, not because he was being deceitful or attempting to hide something, It was because he had nothing new to declare. But everyone wondered if he had something to hide. He could be much more helpful, but instead chose to create obstacles. While it is the right of every American citizen to refuse to take a polygraph test, this decision, unintentionally, influences public opinion. Investigations against him could not go very far, as nothing incriminated him or made him a suspect. He just didn't want to take the polygraph test. After weeks of investigation, they concluded with 100% certainty that Brian did not leave the bar by the escalator and hypothesized that he was killed on site and the body was still in there. Everywhere was searched, rooms and even freezers. Nothing was found. In May, just over a month after the disappearance, Alexis received a call from the police saying Brian's apartment was broken into and they needed her to check if something was missing and if this had something to do with the disappearance. Several things from the apartment were missing, and not just specific things. 
so it was verified that it was a common robbery by someone who had noticed that the place was empty or who knew that this was the apartment of the missing boy from the city. Randy ended up creating the website findbrianshaffer.com in hopes of obtaining information that might help with investigations. At the end of June, Pearl Jam performed in Cincinnati, a city very close to Columbus, just one hour and 30 minutes away. On the night of the 24th, the lead singer of the band, Eddie Vedder, spoke to the audience about the case. Uh, last April, this last April, uh, a young man named Brian Schaefer kind of went missing. He's, uh, he looks like he's in his 20s, he's a uh, 6'2", real handsome guy, and uh, he's got a Pearl Jam tattoo on his upper right arm. School. Uh, you may have heard about this already. If you, if you have, I apologize, but I, I don't think it would do any harm to uh, to bring it again to everybody's attention. If you have, if you look into this, uh, uh, it's out there. Uh, FindBrianShaffer.com. That's his name, Brian Schaefer. And uh, it feels like he's one of our own. And uh, if you have any information. Uh, there is a reward, but you can also remain anonymous by calling uh, Crime Stoppers Ohio. Uh, there's information on NBC4. And uh, like I said, he's, uh, he's one of us. And, uh, and uh, we miss him here tonight. And uh, hopefully we can have a happy ending to this. If you have any information or idea, your friends. Two years later, in September 2008, a new tragedy would happen to the Schaffer family. A severe storm swept through central Ohio, and after the event, Randy was outside cleaning up the wreckage. Around 6pm, an unexpected gust of wind passed through the place, knocking down a tree that hit him in the face, killing him on the spot. Randy's obituary appeared online and a profile commented in the post, Dad... Love you. Love. Brian. U.S. Virgin Islands. The police traced the IP but found that it was done by a profile far away from the Virgin Islands. In just four years, Derek lost his mother, father and his brother was still missing. There was never any information about Brian again. Several theories have emerged. I'll quote you some of them. Brian chose to leave. Many believed that he actually couldn't deal with his depression after the loss of his mother. With dreams of living on an island of his own, isolating himself from the world, his conversation with Alexis so that she could move on without him, he pretended that he was improving psychologically, but was planning to disappear. Many believed that he had help from his friend William, and that this is the reason he didn't take the polygraph test. Another theory says that he not only walked away but that he took his own life, with severe depression and no direction to move on. But the fact that the body was never found calls this idea into question. Another theory suggests that Brian and William were involved in illegal matters, maybe drugs, and things started to get ugly. Brian was killed, and that's why William refused to take the polygraph test. It is worth mentioning that William never had any experience with the police before or after this case. 
Brian's brother got married and moved out of the family home. He works in Ohio and remains hopeful that one day he will have an answer about his brother's whereabouts. Alexis is now an obstetrician married with two children. In interviews about the case, she seeks to make his image remain in the memory of many so that, who knows, someone will find and recognise him. Brian Schaffer remains missing to this day. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você, venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca, porque afinal de contas é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui no Pátria Amada Criminal. 